The following podcast is brought to you by Cast Content Media. Hey guys, it's Ron Worley, your most imperfect host of Sons of Ditches. People are liars, thieves, addicts, and assholes. Some people change, and a few make a difference. But everyone has a story. Hey guys, another episode of Sons of Ditches. Welcome. I'm outside today. Uh, It's a little bit chilly out here, so I have on my warm gear. Uh, I have a wonderful lady on the show today. I'm super excited to have her, uh, Jacqueline Wales. Uh, she is. She's written two books, in fact, The Fearless Factor and The Fearless Factor at Work. And her major accomplishment uh, is that she kicks ass, takes no names, or maybe she takes names, uh, as she <laughs> destroys. She actually works uh, heavily with accomplished women uh, and has been doing so for 35 years, right? Yeah. Very yeah. good. Jacqueline, welcome. Well, it's very nice to be here, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we were talking a little bit off air and I was um, when I was reading your profile and your your bio to have you on, I I wondered how we were going to uh, get along. But it sounds like we have something very in common. Well, I think there's there's definitely commonality between you're getting out of the ditch and and me getting out of the ditch. So, you know, I'd say let's go do some digging, see what we so you told me an interesting story about your childhood. Could you tell us a little bit about that first and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there? Yeah, so. sure. I mean, you know, you, your, your early history was, of course, you know, the turnaround point. For me, I grew up in a family that really was full of, of the usual dysfunctions, alcoholism, physical violence, emotional violence, um, poverty. You know, we, we had the whole nine yards going on there. And as the eldest child of three, I had ended up with a brother who at the time we would say was severely retarded. But Mm -hmm. what it was, was that there was a lack of uh, physical abilities as well as mental abilities. And, And he really was, you know, pretty much ruined on every single dimension of existence. And of course, growing up in a poor family, where's all the attention going to go? It's going to go on him. Um, and so you kind of left to your own devices. But if my father came home drunk, uh, we all learned how to get out of the way. And people often say to me, why fear? Why is fear such an important subject to you? And the, the answer is pretty clear. I grew up with it. I understood it from the very, very early age that you stay out of the way of people who are going to do you damage. And sure. so I left home at 16 and uh, moved from Edinburgh, Scotland to London. And it was one of those, I didn't have a job, I didn't have a place to stay, uh, I could have been out on the street, I could have been homeless, but there's, uh, you know, I think there's a, a resilience in me that clearly got created at an early age that uh, allowed me to find a job and find a place to stay and, and start the process. But I did spend a lot of my early life uh, doing all the wrong things, looking for love in all the wrong places. And, um, you know, buried myself in drugs and alcohol for a long time, too. And when I was 19, I got pregnant and I didn't know who the father was. So I ended up giving that child up for adoption after I had her for three months. 
and realized that I couldn't do this and it wasn't fair to her either. And I had a history of it in my own family where my, my grandmother had two children before she married and my mother did too. And so here was I kind of in the same groove and mm-hmm. that was not a, not a good scene. So I ended up getting married, going back to college because I left school at 15 Went back to college, got a degree eventually, but meanwhile, got married and divorced and had another kid along the way. And that didn't work out so well either. So, you know, I ended up leaving London and going to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, then the real journey uh, begins of transformation. And it took a, a two or three or four years to finally get a grasp on the fact that I needed to, to really get my shit together. And frankly, it came about because I got pregnant for the third time. Uh-huh. And this time I was with a partner that I, I love and still with 42 years later. Girl. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's something in it, but when I got pregnant with our first child, I said, she's going to leave me before I leave her. And that means that I've got to really clean up my act. And so the journey began, and uh, that was mid-30s, and I would say all throughout my 40s was a reinvention of me, rediscovering who I really am, and kind of taking it from there. Uh, And then in my 50s, I started this business of coaching, and uh, that came about because circumstances changed, and suddenly I was no longer the, you know, being maintained quite well, thank you very much, because I had global traveler and done all kinds of stuff, lived all over the world. Uh, And in the 50s, things changed radically and I had to find a career. And so this became my career. And and now is my mission in life is to help as many accomplished women as possible, smart women who are doing tremendous stuff in the world, really take the next leap and get out your own way, which is, is something I've had to learn how to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I've got a, so many questions that came up during that whole thing. I hope I remembered them all. Um, so but first, I want to know, uh, and, and I promise we'll get into the coaching stuff, because that is um, very curious. But, uh, you know, for me, when I got sober, uh, or when I was not sober, I was following a trail of what my childhood was like. And so I was looking for all the wrong women, uh, trying to find my mother, trying and I acted like my father. And so there was just this sick perpetual cycle that I kept going through. And so I would go through the relationships. And uh, do you think that's what uh, you kind of did too, when you got out? And- well, I, I think it, a, a lot of it comes out of lack of self-esteem. You know, mm-hmm. when I look back on it, my self-esteem was, uh, you know, the size of a gnat, frankly. Um, and of course, you know, I, made all the wrong moves, you know, at at certain times. And it was really about, there was a search for self. There was no question about that. But I think to your point is that there are patterns that are set early in life that if we don't start to wake up to them, they will continue to repeat. So like I said, we had three generations of women giving birth to children outside of marriage. And by the way, there was a book written about it that I wrote called When the Crow Sings. Um, And it takes a harsh look at what do women really have to go through in these dysfunctional relationships and then end up with, with children they don't really want. Um, and how do you cope with that? So that was my intergenerational story. All these children that I had um, were very much a piece of that. And I have to say that 
being on the other end of this right now. I've got four amazing adults in my life and they're all kicking ass in their own way. So Isn't that great. Good yeah. for you. That's well, you said it up. I've changed all the patterns. Yes. You know? you but you work it. And that's the piece. Most people don't work it. They right. stay being a victim they stay being the result of whatever it is that they they grew into or grew up with instead of saying i'm in charge mm-hmm. i have complete control over me but it takes work and it takes a lot of hard work you know because you've done it i've done it mm-hmm. it's not easy it's not mm-hmm. an easy path to go down and that's right. why most people will go along to get along and right. lives are miserable you have a choice you know, right. You know? Well, and I think people tend to look for that immediate gratification, change of emotion uh, that we, you know, we, we know where when I was using and drinking, I knew where I was at. But if I stayed high long enough, uh, you know, I kind of forgot momentarily. And, you know, you just wake up every day, do it again. Uh, and, it, you know, it's quite the cycle. So the question for you about the clientele you help out now. Uh, you you say accomplished women. So do you is, explain a little bit about the types of people that you're helping now? Because you've got an extensive background in a lot. You've got a lot of wisdom, as we talked about off air. Uh, so I'm interested. What is, what is your clientele like? So my clientele primarily is is super smart women who are either working in in organizations and they're at senior levels. Mm-hmm. Or they are entrepreneurs who have done their own startups or they've they've achieved a certain degree of prominence in whatever field it is that they're in. And it, it's multitudes of, of uh, different types of industry. I've had people in education and medicine, uh, in a scientist dealing with climate change. Uh, you know, there, there's a whole slew of different types of women that I've worked with over the years. Uh, they all have one thing in common. They have a lot of head trash. <laughs> hey, I thought we all just had that. <laughs> so a lot of it is about how do I change your thinking or how do I help you? Now, I wouldn't say how do I, but how do I help you change the thinking from limitations to expansion? Sure. And, and how do we move beyond that? You know, so, uh, you know, I do it in a multitude of ways, either through my coaching one-on-one or through group facilitated conversations, small group conversations, um, online programming that I've created, you know, because a lot of it is really about taking the time to self-reflect. You know this, and I do too, which is change doesn't come unless you're willing to spend time thinking about what's working for you, what's not working for you and get honest about it because that's that's the big piece and of course focus is on fear what are our fears fear of failure fear of loss fear of not being good enough fear of not being loved fear of not being competent you know there's there's all these fears that come up so then my my big thing is can we hold that up to the light and find empirical evidence to this Uh, because for a lot of accomplished women they have trouble actually accepting ownership of their authority. And, you know, you see this. If we look at the numbers of women who are in senior leadership, it is still woefully small, given that half the planet is women, yeah. you know. But there is a, a, there's a gender bias that it has, you know, is throughout, no matter where you are, no matter whether it's first world, third world, there's a gender bias. Sure. 
And women have to fight that gender bias. And if they're not willing to, to, to show up and be seen and heard then and stay silent, and that's another big piece of it. Are they ready to speak up? Are they right. ready to take that, that authority and ownership? Then things stay as they are. So, you know, I don't want to point the fingers at women and, and say, you know, yeah, kind of ask for it, but you do, you know, as long as you stay silent, then you'll be taken advantage of, frankly. Sure. You know? and, and we see too many examples of that. And I went through it too. I didn't have a loud voice to speak up. Uh, you know, I remember being at a conference one time and he leans over the podium and he goes, why are you playing so small? I was like, well, I'm trying. I'm really trying, you know, but the truth of the matter was I didn't feel confident enough to be able to just put it out there. And at this stage of my life, you know, you don't like it. That's okay. There's other people who can keep you happy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's, uh, you know, maybe this comes no matter what gender you are, but at some point in your life, you got to say who gives a shit about what other people think and, and just put yourself out there, right? That's, that's, that's exactly right. But too many times we, we pull back because we're afraid of what other people's reaction will be, yeah. whether we're rejected or whether we're going to be judged badly. Mm-hmm. Um, women specifically go into that piece of needing to people please and make sure everybody else is happy before they're happy. Right. Uh, and we see too many examples of that too. And God knows I was a caretaker for years. I knew exactly how to take care of people. And 42 years later, I'm still doing it. So <laughs> I made my bed and I had to lie. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes our purpose is our purpose. This is what we do. <laughs> Good for you. I'm it. it you know, it makes my heart happy that there's still people out like you out in the world, just helping people, uh, you know, without, you know, really it's altruistically, you've got to give it, you've got to put it out there. You got to help others or you can't really keep your own. And I'm sure you've, uh, you still learn from your clientele as well. Right. No question. It's a two way street. You know, I mean, I, I find out daily, you know, what, what needs to, to, to be changed. I mean, certainly I've learned from my clients in terms of how I show up in the world, you know, because it's one thing to give advice. It's another thing to actually walk the talk. And I think one thing I could be very proud of is I really do walk the talk uh, at this point in my life. Uh, No excuses. It is what it is. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, And so I just had a a blip of a question in my head. And uh, so Tell us a little bit about your books. Um, They're two very similar names. Now, you you just exposed you. How many more books do you have? Is it just three? I've I've done three so far, and I have another one on the way. It's called Fearless Women Leading the Way. It's a series of interviews with high-level women uh, on on different aspects of of their fears, their successes, um, what they want to do for leaving a legacy, what their vision is. And ultimately, what's their fearless factor? And when I'm, I ask that question, what is your fearless factor? And I could probably ask you the same question, Ron. Um, it really amounts to when fear shows up in your life, because here's my take on this. Being fearless is not the absence of fear, but it's the courage to take the next step. Right. Because my argument is that fear matters to our success. And why? 
because it's either going to be a driver or a barricade. Right. And the barricade is the limited thinking and behaviors that are, are attached to how you see yourself and yeah. what you're willing to do to take a step forward. So, you know, this this is really important uh, in terms of the books. But the next one, Fearless Women Leading the Way, uh, is the third in the Fearless s- series. So the Fearless Factor was a, kind of a look at women in midlife and, and how are they dealing with change. Uh, I share a lot of my own personal stories in my books. And the second book was written for people in the workplace. I worked with a lot of middle managers who really had um, limited understanding of self-awareness building empathy and trust and communicating more effectively with their direct reports. And so it became like a virtual mentor, the fearless factor at work, because each of my books has a section at the end of every chapter where there's a list of questions. And if you're going to do the work of self-reflection, answer the questions. But we know too that when you read these books, you go, yeah, I'll get around to the exercises later. Yeah, never do. Yeah, never, never do. do. <laughs> it's like the uh, the exercise bike sitting in the corner. <laughs> <It's> yeah. never... <laughs> well, I have a rower in my gym, so you know, I have a rowing machine that yeah, stays stays working. It's good. <laughs> good for you. Oh, geez. Um, and so, three books in the series, uh, and the third one's coming out when. Um, the third fearless book will come out probably next summer. End of okay. summer. Yeah. yeah. All right. We still got a little bit. Well, that's, that's actually, we're after the summer now. So you got a few months. Uh, I have a few months to put it together. I started off with the interviews uh, just to get the, the lay of the land on this. I've done about 38 interviews so far. Wow. And uh, I plan on doing about 50 of them. And then I'm going to be looking for what are the threads throughout this. And then I'll, I'll write about it from there, but I want these women to tell their stories. Yeah. So, so cool. I'm glad you're able to find 50 people willing to share with you too. That is amazing. Oh yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I just, I call them up or I send them an email and I go, I'm doing this. I'd love to interview you. And they're like, Oh yeah, we'd love to come and talk to you. I'm like, really? Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you've made it. Jacqueline, tell us a little bit. Uh, how do you want us to get a hold of you? Is there, uh, you want us to go to your email or your website? Tell us a little bit. Go to my website. There is some, some resources on the website. Uh, that's at JacquelineWales.com. Easy to remember. It's my name.com. And uh, there is some courses on the website. And for now, If you want to take one of the singular uh, courses that are priced at $147, you can use the code JW21 and you get it for free. So uh, it's they're online. It's an interactive course that probably takes about an hour or more to do. Uh, Gets you thinking and uh, happy to give your listeners, uh, you know, access to it if they should so wish. Absolutely. So, Ladies, you better jump on this. And I want to hear how it went, too. Uh, so please jump on her website, take the do the, the program and then also email me. I want to hear about it. So, yeah. You know, Jack- and email me if you have any questions or if you think you'd like to come work with me. Yeah, absolutely. 
No. You got any lectures coming up or uh, speaking engagements that these guys There's can come to? There's nothing public at this moment. Uh, a couple of organizational pieces that I'm doing, um, but I'm in the process of creating a new program, uh, and it will be a course for accomplished women that will include uh, group facilitated, uh, small group facilitated conversations online uh, programming and one-on-one coaching so that's currently in the works right now and hope to launch by uh january so boy that's going to be fun yeah yeah for you good for you you told me how old you were and i'm not going to say it on air but i'll tell you what i am so impressed with your go-getiveness at your age it is beautiful i hope i'm like that (laughs) hey just so you know I hope so. Uh, but and maybe you're changing my mind. I, I told my family that when I hit 70, I was going to start drinking again. And, <laughs> and maybe I won't because I'm not, that's not as old as I thought it was. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's not that old. You know, like I, I, I've said for years, you know, age is about attitude. You know, yeah. it might be biologically, uh, you know, a certain number, but, uh, you know, I like, or chronologically, I should say a certain number. But biologically, I'm I'm not even close to being on that seven number at this point. You know, I've been physically active all my life. I have a black belt in karate. Oh, wow. I've been doing CrossFit for the last five years. And, you know, I have some serious muscle on this old body. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Man, that is great. Um, my my uh, And not to compare you with her because you're certainly not her age, but my grandma just passed at 87. And... Uh, she was happy to go since she was, since I've known her almost, but like 65 ish, she just was unhealthy and uh, overweight and whatnot. And she just really wasn't, didn't care to be around anymore. So I, I do believe what you said, it's, it's in the mind. It's how we, how yeah. we treat our I mean, I friends of mine who are in their nineties and they're still active. They, you know, they're slowed down considerably, but intellectually they're still active and uh they still go to the theater and do all kinds of stuff you know and they're still living alone so uh, you know i look at that and i go yeah i want that <laughs> Heck yeah you've only been sober for 35 years you've got to enjoy at least 55 or 60 years well, there you go. You know, uh, and of course you know you're learning the whole time as well so mm-hmm. that's that's really it being a lifelong learner yeah you know, that's really it. And I like to say, I ain't stopping until there's a pine box going out the door and I'm in it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it has been certainly a pleasure to meet you, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for coming on. Any yeah. last words for everybody? No, just, you know, when next time fear shows up in your, your life, ask yourself, do you have empirical evidence If you don't have any empirical evidence that it's real, you're just making shit up. So get over it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) Oh, I love Jacqueline. Guys, thank you so much for showing up this week. We will see you next week. Take care. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you for tuning in to Sons of Ditches. For more information, go to my website, ronworley.com, and my YouTube channel, Sons of Ditches. Facebook, Ron L. Worley, or Instagram at Ronald L. Worley II.